Join us on Sundays as we learn from our current series, Chasing the Wind, a study on the book of Ecclesiastes. Just got a very encouraging push from Joe to go up and speak. Good morning, everyone. My name is Beth Ann. Uh, I'm part of the Riverbend teaching team, and my husband Tom and I have been members here for 10 years. 10 years ago, we moved to Lehigh Valley uh, from New York, and we wanted to be known as the Millers. We were later in life getting married. I was 43, he was 41, and where he's from in Harrisburg, PA, I was known as Tom's wife. And where I'm from in New York, he was known as Bethann's husband. And we wanted to be known as the Millers. So through a series of circumstances uh, and opportunities that were open, we moved to Lehigh Valley, came to this church the following Sunday. We were joking around that we were going to have T-shirts on that says, we're the Millers and we need friends. Because we knew how much we needed community. We knew moving somewhere where we knew no one. Bob and Sonia Albright, <laughs> so graciously, the first Sunday we were here, invited us out for lunch, and it's a decade later. So, um, yes. Uh, and during that time, Tom has served as an elder. I served as leading the women's ministry for a while. You can serve in a church and step out reasonably, if anybody ever doubts that, and still be supported. And now I'm part of the, the teaching team here, and we still fully support the elders and the staff at the church. Uh, most of all is Tom and I are known, both for the great stuff, Amy's smiling, and for the not so great stuff in our life, in our journey, in our personhood, and, and things that happen. But we're known, and we know. We've been invited to be known as individuals and as a couple and as a child of God for both of us. And we've also been invited to know others. And that is the definition of community. So I'm saying all that to say that um, we're so, he and I have never had to seek for a different church. That's not because Riverbend has it all. That's when we'll be with Christ, right? But as far as a place where we feel like we can be ourselves be encouraged and be challenged and be strengthened and be welcomed in our individuality and in our needs, this is home. So it's a real honor for me to be able to share um, some of the gifts that the Lord has entrusted me with uh, when I teach. Keith did make sure, he said, please no heresy today. So if you hear any heresy, which means I'm speaking against scriptures, please stand up and speak loudly, okay? Because I'm open to correction. I have the joy today of speaking um, and following Joe and Mike, who spoke last week on Chasing the Wind. And Ecclesiastes is not exactly a book filled with hope. If, if it's a cloudy, rainy week, I don't suggest you going through Ecclesiastics to, to strengthen yourself. It's probably going to take you a little too far inward and perhaps a spiral down. Um, but it's considered one of the books of wisdom in the canonization of the scripture. It's considered, along with Proverbs, and Job is actually a book of wisdom, um, the Psalms and Ecclesiastes, to be the place where we can draw wisdom for life. So I hope that's what we're going to hear today. And to start off today, I want to ask you a question. What's on your tombstone? Not a pizza. Many of us can answer that. But what's on your tombstone? Meaning, when, 
And you can pull it back for a second. Meaning, there is levity in this. Meaning, when, when all is said and done, wh what is that remembrance? What is that marker going to say about us? And I'm not going to point towards legacy because I even, I hesitate with what legacy am I leaving. I don't necessarily want to leave a legacy. That's still pointed at me. <laughs> what I do want to leave is people that were in my presence that felt attached to Christ. I'm not so interested in what Beth Ann Miller leaves behind. Um, so what? <laughs> we're going to see about that today. But I'm more interested in when I was in someone's presence, did they sense the presence of the Lord? Did they feel seen? Did they feel heard? Did they feel validated in themselves? And where do I gain my validation from? So I'm going to, I pulled up some tombstones with some funny sayings on it. With this said, I know that there have been deaths in our congregation. So I am not poking at the funny, um, I'm not poking at death or anyone's suffering. Instead, what I'm trying to do with Ecclesiastes, because this is such a, a difficult, particularly the scripture that I was given to speak on, a difficult, heavy thing, instead I'm bringing in some levity. So look at, let's look at some people that had a sense of humor as they passed on. Go ahead, told you I was sick. <laughs> Go ahead to the next one. I was hoping for a pyramid. Okay, that person had high and lofty goals there. Raised four beautiful daughters with only one bathroom, and still there was love. I grew up in a house of five kids, um, and there was one bathroom. There was usually love. There you go. Case fudge. So here's someone that really wanted to pass on their family recipe, right? So these are the last words. These are the last things that people wanted to communicate. Go ahead. Let's read the scripture, the text that says, whatever exists has already been named and whatever humanity is has been known. No one can contend with someone who is stronger. The more the words, the less the meaning. And how does that profit anyone? For who knows what is good for a person in life during the few meaningless days, this is very encouraging, during the few meaningless days they pass through like a shadow, who can tell them what will happen under the sun after they are gone? That's Ecclesiastes 6, 10 through 12. And as we've heard, under the sun means while we're here on earth. That's what that term means, under the sun, under the sun. Everything's meaningless under the sun. It means as you and I journey here on earth, where do we find meeting? And this was Solomon that wrote, wrote these words, right? Mike spoke about that last week. He had everything to his disposal. Anything he wanted, he could have. And yet he was left in this place of saying, hmm, is there anything meaning under the sun? And your days are like a fleeting shadow. I'm hitting that place in my life now, I'm turning 55 soon, and I'm hitting that place where I'm like, oh, that hurts, and that's new. The new car smell is worn off at this point, right? As we, as we age, these things happen. What are our days worth under the sun? Let me ask you a question. Where do you and I find meaning in life? Where do we really set up camp inside ourselves and find meaning for life? Is it in our jobs? Is it in our family? Is it in our faith? Is it in 
the fun things we like to do. All those things are very meaningful, but they're like a shadow. They're a shadow, right? Um, talking with my mom now, who, who's in her elderly years. She's watching right now. Hello, mom. <laughs> it's hard to believe so many years have gone by, right, in her mid-80s now. What happened? It's like a fleeting shadow. What are the accomplishments we're most proud of? Let me ask you guys, shout out a few people. What are some accomplishments in your life, good things that you're most proud of? Don't, humility is a right understanding of who you are in God's eyes, okay? So don't try and lessen yourself. What are some things you're proud of in your life? Shout out. 19 years of marriage. Who said that? Raise your hand. Well done. I'm sure there's a few lessons learned in that, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well done. Your children. How many of you guys have? Three. Wonderful. Your kids. Yep. Being Yeah, Jesse, in the 10 years I've known you, you consistently add value to people whom others might push away, right? People that are marginalized or, and can't operate the way um, other people can. So well done on that. What are you proud of? A few I'm more. It is a very... I take it then she's not a dripping faucet then, is that right? <laughs> Well done, 62 years. Ladies, I also want to say Proverbs 31, this is, I'm totally going off script here. Proverbs 31 is not a code of behaviors for you to look for or expect in your wife. It was written for a, as from a mother-in-law to encourage her son to build up his wife. Yikes, okay. It's not a list of characteristics of a woman. It's for the men to encourage their wife to step into. Your wife is saying amen. So congratulations on 62 years of marriage. Do you guys do marriage counseling? Okay, Tom and I might need you at some point, okay? <laughs> what else are you proud of? These are great things. Speak them out, friends. We're proud of it too, Joe, and we celebrate with you in the journey of it. What else? How about Lehigh students? Come on, you guys. You guys got some stuff going on. What are you guys proud of? Thank you. Building up Lehigh crew. What does that entail for you? Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, creating a place of belonging in a big university, right, with a lot of pressure and a lot of expectation, you're creating a place of belonging, which, you know, for, I don't want to say kids, for young adults that are trying to find their way and most away from home, that's a major thing to have a place of belonging. Well done. One more thing that you're proud of. 
your job, what do you do? An IT specialist, right? Yeah, where I, I keep saying to Tom, I don't even understand how a radio works, nonetheless how computers work. So your brain functions in different ways and well done um, on how you've chosen to invest yourself in that. So friends, all these things that we just heard are going on with our, within folks in our community and they're all to be celebrated. And again, what we have, we're hearing what we have and what we are setting our hands to that, that these things have a lasting impact under the sun. Under the sun again means as you and I journey this earth. Tom and I have been uh, watching a series called The Titans of America. Have any, has anyone heard of that on the History Channel? This is looking back at all the, the big players from the Industrial Revolution, the early 1900s after the Great War, which was World War I, going forward, and how our, how our society, the backbone of what has happened, and the key players of our society that has, have brought us to the place we are today. Some of the names, Rockefeller, Carnegie, Morgan, Kellogg, Post, Tyson, Chrysler, the Dodge Brothers, DuPont. There's many, many more in here. And there were men and women whose influence and entrepreneurial spirit moved the United States. And then it shaped the world and pushed the whole world into what we call industrialized society. And it shaped the way you and I function today. These men and women seemingly achieved a lot under the sun. Amazing things that affect our life today while they were on earth during their time under the sun. Sadly though, friends, most lived and died in deep, deep relational conflict, both in their marriages and their families. There was betrayal within father to son and sister to brother and sister to mother and sister to, to father. Um, bankruptcy from billions and billions of dollars. Takeovers of fortunes and power plays to move in from other people. Insatiable greed that it's not enough, it's not enough, it's not enough. What was originally meant to be good and set their hands to under the sun slowly took over them. And these good things that they set their hands to suddenly were driving them. The book of James says, whatever we serve becomes our master. Whatever we serve becomes our master. So they began serving this insatiable needs for recognition in themselves, for greed, for a better life, to get their name known. During this time in the 1930s, when the economy was booming, construction, don't put up the, don't put up the um, picture yet, but construction of a building in New York City began. You can put up the picture now. Anyone know two buildings in New York City? Move forward to the picture. Can anyone name me these two buildings? The Chrysler Building and, and the Empire State Building. Can anyone tell me the name of the gentleman that was responsible for the Empire State Building? Hmm. That was built less than 100 years ago. No one knows the name? Interesting. Who built the Chrysler building? Not a trick question. Chrysler. Who was Chrysler? Some of you might be driving some of his work of his hands under the sun today. 
Walter Chrysler was an automotive mogul. And the gentleman who built the Empire State Building was a GM mogul. Guess the reason why these two buildings were constructed. Take a guess, literally at the same time. Why were these two buildings constructed? Competition. What was that? No real room build up. Yeah, that's Hong Kong, right? Why were they built? What was that? To be the biggest? It's a little more deeper than that. Wouldn't that have been nice? Wesley, actually, a lot of this was done at night, so they couldn't see what they each were doing. And men died because of that, because they had to work at nighttime. So the other couldn't see what construction was going on. It is amazing, isn't it? It was built, quote unquote, this is from Chrysler himself. You could put up the slide. <clears throat> so that people would remember his name. That's why Chrysler built that building. Do you think of Walter Chrysler, the automotive titan, when you think of New York City and see the Chrysler building? It's long gone under the sun. Do you think of the gentleman, and I'm forgetting his name right now, I didn't write it down, who built the Empire State Building? He worked for GM, he was exec for GM. Do you, nobody recognized his name. Do you even think about it when you go to New York City? No. Those things are done, they're gone. What they set their hands to under the sun. In fact, they were building, fighting against each other simultaneously when Chrysler found out excuse me, when the GM exec found out that the Chrysler building was going to be 25 feet taller, he had that antenna built in the middle of the night and had it lugged up so the next morning his tower would be bigger. So what? So what? What are we setting our hands to? Is it, is it to make our name known? Is it for us to feel better about ourselves? Is it that our family is, I'm not putting you guys, I am putting you guys on the spot. You know, the most talented, that's not your posture. I know that you're investing the giftings that the Lord has given you. But I'm saying that, is it to say I'm a great speaker? Is it to say, hey, you know, I'm great at setting up a church and welcoming? Is it to say I, I've had a great marriage, 62 years, at least I hope, the majority of it has been great. No, there's something much more valuable, friends, than just chasing something under the sun. Because it stops there. What are we chasing for? What are we living for? That's the problem with Ecclesiastes. There's nothing under the sun. There's nothing new, and there's nothing worth chasing. Here's the thing, though. I'm going to quote a colleague of mine, Dr. Mark Cote, who is part of our team with Safe Place. Here's his quote. The problem of Ecclesiastes is solved by the resurrection. The problem of everything's hopeless, even giving myself to good things, is worth nothing. Even having a 62 year marriage, 19 years, jobs that we take pleasure in, families that are uber talented. I just used a buzzword, uber. 
That's really good. Families that are really talented. Friends that reach out to establish relationship. Even all those things. Under ecclesiastics, under the sun, they're meaningless. But the resurrection of Christ solves that problem that we have hope in this life under the sun. Friends, now today we have hope under the sun. We have hope for tragedy. When terrible and awful things happen and we're disillusioned and disorientated and cast down, when that happens, we have hope under the sun. When sickness hits us unexpectedly and changes the trajectory of our life or those we love, we have hope under the sun. When we succeed, when we do something wonderful, when there's joy and there's seasons of life and marriage and children, that hope doesn't just stop here under the sun. That comes with us into eternity. Friends, this is about what we focus our eyes on. If we just focus our eyes on what's happening down here, we have two choices. Things are good, things are bad. <laughs> That's it. That's not going to keep you well. You're going to have to erect. If things are going good, you're going to have to build skyscrapers to have your name known. If things are bad, you're going to become completely disillusioned, disorientated, and lose hope. There's got to be another tether for us through Ecclesiastes, the book of wisdom. And this is the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Friends, he didn't just die for our sins. That's good news, but that's not the best news. The best news is he conquered the grave and rose. And that's what the scripture says. He came, he came to free us from the fear of death. I'd like to look at the New Testament and read through a passage in Luke. Um, it's quite long, but I think it's important. And when you read the red letters, by the way, Jesus didn't speak in red. We've added those words. But when you read the red letters, most likely in your scripture, a lot of what Jesus talks about is Old Testament. And remember, he said, I haven't come to abolish the law, but I've come to what? Fulfill it. Okay, so a lot of times when Christ is, is saying things, go back to the Old Testament and figure out what, because he's not pulling things out of the thin air. He's completing the Father's will. And this is one of those chapters. Let's read it. After this, the Lord appointed 72. After, he, after this was, he walked with them for quite some time. <clears throat> he appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers to his harvest field. Go. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. It's amazing to me how much we complain about what it's like to live as a Christian. <laughs> this is right from the Lord, okay? I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get sidetracked here. Where did I just go? Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. That's a call for minimalism, I think. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and welcomed, eat what is offered to you. 
This, is, this was difficult for me when I lived in Africa and had to eat some creative things. Heal the sick, sick who were there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town we will wipe off from, from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it would be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin, and woe to you, Basidia, for the miracles that were performed in you have been performed in Tyre and Sidon. They would have, if they would have prevented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for you, Tyre and Sidon, at judgment than for you. And for you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the heavens? No, you'll go down to Hades. These, these are, Christ is actually, Matt Kay is a much better person to unpack these scriptures than I am. But, but here Christ is actually speaking of some judgment from the Old Testament and in a way of responding to Christ and the different heart postures in that. Here's the point. Whoever listens to you will listen to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. Basically, if we reject, we reject Christ, we're rejecting the Father, right? So if someone doesn't like you because of Christ, don't take it personally. The 72 who... The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us. So Jesus sent them out and they came back rejoicing that they had authority that uh, in, another, in another part of Mark it says they came back and said the, the blind were uh, healed, the lame walked, um, the deaf heard. They were rejoicing that they had success and even success in ministry. And it's interesting, Jesus' heart posture here he's quoting Isaiah 14, which is Lucifer's fall. He replied, this is Jesus. So he sends them out and they come back all excited. It's a bit of a buzzkill here, but he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power from the enemy. Nothing will harm you. And here it is, friends. Even within ministry, even within serving, even all these amazing things and good things, godly things, wholesome things we can set our, our hands to under the sun. Jesus said this, however, do not rejoice that the spirit, spirits submit to you. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. So interesting that even when good things are happening in the kingdom of God, Jesus said, don't stop there. Don't set up camp there. Don't let your hearts just rejoice in that. What is the invitation he's giving us to rejoice in? According to the scripture. What was that? Eternity with him. Yeah, what else is that saying? It's saying something about our posture to him. We're his children. Rejoice in the relationship that we have with him. That's, that's where we hold hope under the sun. That's where we can have hope for the terrible things that happen that are disorientating and wounding and hurtful. And that's where we can hold without erecting uh, a skyscraper to make sure everyone remembers our name for what we did. It's that our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It's that you and I are children of God. He goes on to say then, 
At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you're pleased to do. You know, I think of these titans as, as Tom and I watch them and watch their marriages disintegrate and watch generations of greed. And, and mind you guys, there's nothing wrong with having money. Money is a great resource when it's tethered to who we are in Christ and not just building the Empire State Building. So it wasn't, gre it wasn't provision or wealth that all made all these titans go into dysfunction. You know, to bring it to a modern-day titan, this is so sad to me. Steve Jobs, I almost just forgot his name. Steve Jobs, who probably all of us, myself included, have been directly, well, we all have. We've all been directly impacted from his life, technology today, right? The founder of Apple. At the end of his life, he asked his best friend to write um, a biography for him, an autobiography. Do you guys know the reason he asked him to do that? Does anyone know? So his children knew who he was. I know who he is. I carry his product. Not really, I'm an Android person, but <laughs> similar reflectiveness of it. So his children knew who he was. I don't know where Steve Jobs is and where his soul is. I pray it's with Christ. I don't know. I'm not a judge of the hearts, right? Christ is. But that's an Empire State Building. That's a Chrysler Tower. That's not the hope and the identity of I'm a child of the living God. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes and ears that see what you see. For I tell you, many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but have not seen it. And they've wanted to hear what you hear, but have not heard it. In other words, what he was saying is, people through millennia have longed to see the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God was standing right in front of them in the image of Jesus Christ. The book of Hebrews says he is the exact representation of the Father. And it's interesting, as Jesus went through towns and villages, he didn't say, tell them I'm coming. What did he say to people? He didn't say, tell them Jesus is coming. What did he say? Tell them the kingdom of God is drawing near. So when you draw near people, the kingdom of God is drawing near them. You ever think about that? When you enter someone's house, the kingdom of God is entering someone's house. That's what that passage in Luke was saying. When someone kicks you out because of the kingdom of God, brush the, brush the dust off your feet. Don't take it personally. The kingdom of God is coming near. In Romans 5, the kingdom of God is defined as righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The titans of America, few had righteousness, right living before God's self and others, peace that comes from that relationship, and joy, which is a gift from God. That's what we're all longing for, righteousness, peace, and joy. And that's what Jesus was saying is, hey, this is what I have for you in good and bad. 
Set your eyes, brothers and sisters, not on this world, as Colossians 2 says, but on things above. Lift your eyes up to eternity. That's where we're going to come with the endurance to be able to go through the happy times and the joyful times and the times of plenty and celebratory times, and please celebrate. But then also the ability, the long-suffering, which, by the way, is a fruit of the Spirit, though none of us are raising our hands to receive that one. Never seen an altar call for that one. It's that ability to endure for the joy set before him. Christ endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. This is the tether of hope. The problem of Ecclesiastics, I want to say this again, is solved by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15 is a whole chapter about the resurrection of Christ. And as I close now, this is what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 9. If we're to have hope only for this world, anyone want to finish it for me? It's not a trick question. If we're to have hope only in this world, say it louder, someone said it. We're to be pitied above all men. In other words, it's the Chrysler building and the Empire State building, because that's it. None of us knew who built those buildings or what their life was or what they set their hands to. None of us. And if our hope is only in that, we are to, literally to be pitied above all men. But it's not. It is not. Your life and my life are tethered, connected, held secure that our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Friends, there's nothing new under the sun. There's no suffering. There's no political turmoil. There's no plague. There's no crisis in society that's new under the sun. The kingdom of God has been and always will be well and extending. Always. Because it's not up to us. Where's our hope? What are we looking towards so that what we do set our hands to under the sun is not meaningless. Joe. Important word for us this morning, and I just am reminded of, even as she was talking about 1 Corinthians 15, the hope of the resurrection. Um, that, that, those verses, you know, when you read through that chapter, it says to be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain, but it's in the backdrop of the resurrected Christ. And as we think about even what Beth Ann shared, I want to invite her husband, Tom, to come up here as well at this point in time. And what we want to do is we want to take a moment to actually pray over them. Many of you heard a lot of things that Beth Ann was talking about about explaining her story and about what she's doing, but what she didn't say, so I'm going to brag for her um, about uh, this, uh, what I call humble confidence. Her and Tom are involved in this incredible um, business ministry that they started, business as mission, and a ministry called Safe Place. And Safe Place works with ministry leaders specifically and then organizational leaders as they are serving others and provides care, 
provides what's called a debrief, which is to diagnose what's going on, both what you've seen and experienced, whether you've been on a mission field or whether there's something uh, that you're leading through, whether that's in the church setting or other organizational settings as well. And then to come up with a game plan around, hey, what is it that God's stirring in your heart as you move forward? Um, and so they and their team do an incredible, incredible work. And you can imagine these last two years, they've been very busy uh, because they've had a lot of people reaching out to, to Tom Bethan and their team at Safe Place. And one of the things that's happening this week is they're actually getting ready uh, to go to the Dominican Republic, specifically Beth Ann. And as she's with two others, two other staff members, she's correcting all the details here. Uh, but what we want to do is we want to pray not only for what we heard this morning, but we want to be a church that, that prays over them and prays over not only this trip, but even the work that they're involved in. It's a really important work. It's a vital work. Um, it's a significant work. And yet, as she shared so well, it's not a work that's detached from who Jesus is. And one of the things I really appreciate about both of them is, yes, they have found community here. They have been known here. They have been celebrated. But they have chosen that too. You don't maybe know this, but a lot of people in their positions, they're oftentimes detached from the local church. But they have purposely said, no, we want to be attached to the local church. And we want to be tethered to it. And Joseph, we want to come under your authority and the authority of the elders here. Wait, I didn't <laughs> and she's really funny, too. Uh, so, so, you know, that's one of the things that's really beautiful about this. And so we're in partnership together. And so I just want to invite you, if you're able to, one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to, I'm going to put my hands on them like this. And if you're able to and you feel comfortable just extending your hands, it's a way of signifying that we're laying hands on them and we're sending them out. We're sending them out. And I, I want you to hear that because I get to see a lot of this throughout my weeks and, and months and years even partnering with them. But a lot of you don't know this, but part of what happened for them um, it was incubated in their souls here at Riverbend, and then together we've been able to join them. And so I don't want you to miss what our church is involved in. We get to be a part of the kingdom expression through Safe Place. It's a gift. Yeah, go for it. I shut my mic off. Yeah, go for it. Uh, I just wanted to say for Tom and I, and, and this is really important for us to be tethered to a local church. When we really felt the Lord really steering this in us, the first thing we did was we went and had dinner with Joe and Amy, and we showed them our perspective website and said we feel like this is what's God saying what do you guys think and ever since then that's eight years ago now ever since then um, we're tethered here so and that's so important as we're going to care for 30 missionaries and provide a retreat that's what I'm doing in DR I'm not going to Punta Cana not that there's anything wrong with that okay but it's to, care for, it's to care for a group of missionaries up in the mountains to support them as they work with vulnerable kids. So just to say, it is so important. When Jesus healed the centurion's um, servant, he said, I'm a man, Jesus said, where do you get the faith to know that I can do that? And he said, because I'm a man of authority and I'm a man under authority. And that's a kingdom principle. So we are so happy to be tethered to Riverbend too. All right, we're going to pray. And uh, as you feel led, if you're able to, I invite you to extend your hand as well. Father, right now we thank you for the good work of Tom and Bethann and Safe Place Ministry. Lord, we're grateful 
for the fruit that's come through choosing what we just heard today in this message about living in light of the resurrected Christ and really believing that in you, Jesus, in you, that we get to join you in seeing your kingdom advance in our own lives and the lives of those around us. So, Lord, I want to pray for Tom and Beth Ann. I want to pray for the whole Safe Place team. I want to pray for protection, provision, for wisdom, for favor. God, I want to pray against these supernatural forces that would oppose, Father. And, Lord, I want to pray uh, for your peace, your shalom over them, God. I pray as they go to the DR this week, I pray that they would sense you undergirding them and supporting and strengthening, that they have a church that's for them and believes in them. And, Lord, I pray that as um, they go and the care is given, Lord, and, and that's only one thing that's happening. I know other, other ministry pieces are happening this week, even right here in uh, Pennsylvania, God. I know our church is actually going to benefit from some uh, of safe place this week, Lord. So we just thank you for the fruit that's come from choosing to be faithful. pray you'd keep Tom and Beth Ann's marriage strong in you. And I pray that they would remember as, what, exactly what Beth Ann shared. What, what are we putting our heart and our mind and our eyes to and our hands to that you're calling us to? So not to lose perspective of what you've called us to. And I pray for the rest of the team there too. I pray for their relationships and their marriages, Father. I pray that um, you would watch over them, Lord, and continue to do a work that only you can do. Jesus, we thank you for the hope of the resurrection. Thank you that you are our living hope, as Peter would say. And, Lord, we want to walk and, and live in response to that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.